Welcome to the Liberty Podcast. We're so excited that you're interested in the teaching ministry of Liberty Bible Church. We're a multi-site church that exists to share the love of Christ across Northwest Indiana. If you're looking for a church home, please check us out at our website, findliberty.net. Thanks again for joining us as together we're transformed by the teaching from the Word of God. Would you bow in prayer with me, please, as we start the service? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love for each of us in this room and your willingness to send your Son to help us, to give his life for us. We just say thank you for that. Now, Lord, we invite your Spirit into this room today and that every person that's here would be attentive to your words. And I pray that as it's shared today that each of us will leave changed and drawn closer to you. We pray all this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. It's my privilege today to open God's Word with you, and we're continuing our series on sin. I hope it's been a help and a blessing and an encouragement to you. And in just a moment, we're going to be reading from Romans chapter 7. So I'm going to give you a minute to flip your Bibles open and find that. And while you're turning there in your Bibles, let me just have a brief highlight over the last two messages of sin, if I could. Two weeks ago, Pastor Kevin Earhart shared with us on the sin as self-centeredness. And he said, the more that we acknowledge our sin, the more that you and I will actually have an understanding of grace. He, he also shared a term called main character energy. You know, it's where you and I become the focal point of the story. Our opinions matter the most above everything else, and it causes us to actually treat others as not even being real because we're so important. We try to carry the burdens we weren't meant to carry, but after all, we weren't equipped to be God. We're set free by having a clear understanding of our sin, having a time of confession, and then receiving God's offer of grace, time of need. Then last week, Pastor Tim shared about sin as self-deception. Sometimes instead of calling sin, sin, he brought up the fact, maybe a phrase like, mistakes were made. Remember that? We can deceive ourselves through image cultivation, another new set of words. Cultivating that image that we want others to have of us, especially on social, social media. We can deceive ourselves, but it's harder to deceive a community of peers. And he shared, how do we become a people of the truth? Well, we submit to a community. And then that community, we must be a community of confession. And he reminded us that God never shames sinners who confess their sins. And then last, he said, we must desire the Father because he knows everything about you, everything, and yet unconditionally reached out to you. Hopefully, you found Romans 7. It's after Romans 6, if that helps you. I had to say that, sorry. This is on sin and doubleness. Would you please stand with a reading of God's Word? And we, let's read it responsively. I'll read the first verse, and you guys can, we'll go every other. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good, in order that sin might be shown to be sin, and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure.
For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. But I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. And let's read the last one together. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so that I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. This is God's word. Please be seated. Sin and doubleness. In today's passage, we, many would believe that the Apostle Paul is just sharing some of his own personal challenges to, to live out the Christian life on his own. But it might come to surprise to us because other than Jesus Christ, many times we will consider the Apostle Paul to probably be the leading example of how a Christian is supposed to live. And yet he brings this trouble to light because the Apostle Paul knew firsthand the struggle that you and I all face. So in the Scriptures, it's brought to light so that you and I can see it and learn from it and apply it to our own heart. So why don't we do the things that we want to do? Why don't we do the things we do want to do? And our human experiences so often keeps repeating that. It says in verse 15, For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. As we were reading that text, did any of you, your tongues get tied up just a little bit? With the words, I do, don't do, 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 and all so forth. Good, I'm not the only one. That's why I had you read it with me. And in today's message, we will look at how sin creates this doubleness. There's a part of us that seems divided, almost as if there are two people making decisions about what we should do. This doubleness actually explains why we don't do what we know is right to do and then find it hard not to do evil that we know we shouldn't do. There's the me that you see standing here. And then there is the me on the inside where my desires are competing and contradicting each other for priority. Today we are going to refer to this as doubleness. We know that, we all know that there is a struggle that takes place inside of us, but many just throw up their hands and just whatever, whatever. I'm hoping that today, perhaps you will see how this plays out in your own life. And instead of throwing your hands up, you would be ready to encounter God's grace going to help you through this. So what is doubleness? We're going to look at today what is doubleness, how, what does doubleness actually look like, then how do we deal with our doubleness? 
And so what is doubleness? It's this human desire that is corrupted and disordered by sin, which then motivates our behavior. It's a human desire that is corrupted and disordered by sin, which then motivates our behavior. And this doubleness is created by the collusion of three different things. The first two that we'll see, we, well, the two of these things are involved are neither good or bad, but it's the third one that causes havoc in our world and in our own lives. It's the flesh, the law, and sin. First, our flesh. Our flesh and our desires were created good. So as you and I are struggling, we must be careful not to just blame our bodies every time we do something bad and don't understand why. Our bodies do play a part in the story of sin and doubleness, but they're not the source of evil. Our bodies in and of themselves are not evil. In Genesis 1, it says it this way. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them, and God blessed them. Then later on in verse 31, it says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was was very good. Okay. So we see in the text there. We're made in his image. God blessed us, and his creations were very good. And part of our God-given limitations, it shows up in our needs and in our desires that we face every day. For example, when it's cold outside, we recognize our need for warmth, and our desire is, do we go grab a jacket? Do we go inside the house where it's warm? Or if we're outside, do we build a campfire? Mm -hmm. Another way we can see this play out is when you and I get hungry, now we've got to fill that desire, the need that we have. So our desire says, well, we're hungry. Do we cook a meal? Do we go out to eat? Or do we just sit on the couch and eat munchies and snacks all night long? Okay, we've all faced this, okay? So our, all throughout the day, you and I experience many needs, and then our desires help us decide how to best meet those needs. But sometimes our needs, they compete for our attention. They want that priority in our lives and our decisions. But when they do, it doesn't mean that all of our desires are evil. When you're cold and you want to take, grab a jacket, that's not evil. That's just part of being human. When you're hungry and you get something to eat, that's not evil. It's just part of being human, the limitations that God has placed on us. All creatures, we were, as creatures, you and I, we were actually created in it. When, as creatures created by God, we were created innocent. Our desires were neither good nor bad because we didn't have the knowledge of good and evil. That means we weren't created with moral reasoning. He created us with a capacity, but not the privilege of moral reasoning. Instead of God giving us a, a fully developed moral reason, God gave the first humans himself and his law to guide and instruct them. The law. How does the law play in this? The law is a moral tool to help impose structure on our flesh. God imposed on our flesh and our world these laws to help govern our desires. Without the law, we wouldn't know what is sin and what isn't. The law was given like a tutor to help guide us, to help us make better choices. 
When God told Adam and Eve, you can eat of all the trees of the garden, but not this one, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When God did that, he was actually giving them a tool that would help structure their desires to help them. God is good, and he, he made us and the world good. The law that he gave us was good. Now we have our flesh created by God. We have the law, which is also good. So then you scratch your head and say, so where is this double and this coming from? That's the third character, sin. Sin is the corrupting agent here. It's the, it's the one. Doubleness comes on the scene through sin. When sin enters the picture, it destroys the flesh by colluding with the law to do it. Psst. When God said, don't eat of that tree, did he? Is that really what he meant? Psst. Sin came in. The law incited. Verse 13, did that which is good, he's referring to the law, then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good. In order that sin might be shown to be sin, then through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. In other words, sin uses the law to corrupt our desires and make sin even more sinful. The law and the lawgiver are good, but then sin enters the mix, and that makes, the, makes sin and death even worse. When Satan promised Adam and Eve that they would become more like God, but instead they actually became more like beasts, subject to their own desires now instead of guided by God's good law. Sin always promises things, doesn't it, like don't worry, go ahead and do it. There will be no bad consequences that will happen. Or once you do this, your view of life will be enhanced, and then you will be happy. But like Adam and Eve, when we chose to violate God's law, we chose, they chose corruption and evil instead of good and God. Instead of a preference for the spirit and the good that comes from God, we find ourselves with a preference towards sin. God created us good, and yet we still violated God's law. It's in this transgression against what God created that we find this deep, cancerous corruption that takes place in our hearts. We call this permanent inclination towards our disordered and corrupted desires, our sin nature. And it's this dual nature of both having good and evil in our souls and bodies that causes this doubleness. But this sin nature, it's going to be with you until death or the rapture, whichever comes first. Because after that, then God will give us a glorified body. But that sin nature is going to be with us. In Romans 7, 19 through 23, it says this, For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive 
to the law of sin that dwells in my members. This is the Apostle Paul. You can see the struggle he's facing. Paul wasn't trying to remove his responsibility. What he was doing in this text is identifying the source of his sin. It was a sinful nature. Because our sinful nature doesn't get transformed. In our union with Christ, we can see in Romans chapter 6, we die to sin. We were released from sin's dominating power over us. But sin's presence is going to be with us till Jesus calls us home. So what is doubleness? What does it look like? Remember, doubleness, that human desire that is corrupted and disordered by sin, which then in return it motivates our behavior. So what does it look like? I was reading a book, a portion of a book, by David Zoll on low anthropology, and actually it helped me to better understand some of this. Have you ever stayed up late and watched TV or documentary? Okay, those of you, that, those two of you that raised your hand, that's all right. You know, you just stayed up late and well, just watch how it plays out. In your mind, you're tired. And you know you should go to bed, right? But now that you've been watching it, your curiosity kicks in and you're caught in a narrative and you wonder how it's going to end. What's next? Then your heart says, I got to see how this bad situation turns into something good and it gets resolved. Then your body keeps reminding you, go to sleep. And then your conscience says, this is bad. I just feel like I've wasted the last hour and a half of my life. How many of you have been there? All right. That's that doubleness taking place inside of us. If you want to see it firsthand, if those of you that have children, just tell them not to touch this, whatever this is over here, or don't do this. And then watch what happens. Do you, you, you mean this? Doubleness. Doubleness. Having a law in place doesn't mean that we all want to obey it. For example, when you're driving on the roads, especially the expressways, you'll see this, this little metal sign. All it says is, it's got words on it. Speed limit. And there's a number. How many of you, whenever you see that, the first thing that comes to your mind is, slow down and, and set the cruise control for the exact speed. Don't raise your hand. Uh, okay. Because just because the law is in place doesn't mean that we want to obey it. Actually, the law incites sin in us. Sin jumps on that and it arouses something within us to rebel. Because if having a law in place creates obedience, well, we wouldn't need anything else. How many speed limit signs do you see? So then why is the policeman still sitting there? See what I mean? So here's a question. Did the sign create the rebellion? Or did it just reveal what was already in our heart to go faster? We know what we should do, but we, we find in ourselves a desire to not want to obey and sometimes even rebelling against the law. Did anybody happen to see any wet paint signs as you walked in the auditorium today? Nobody? That was one of my props, and you guys messed up. <laughs> I got them placed on the walls out there, and 
Because, you know, it says wet paint, do not touch. And I, just, I was going to ask, did anybody touch the wall? But you didn't even see it. Oh, well, let's keep going here. Our motivation to do what is right can also be a little mysterious, can it, at times? You know, because it doesn't always function on truth and logic. You know, it's at night, and you get hungry, and you grab one of these. Salt and vinegar. These guys are drooling already. You know what I thought of doing was opening up a bag and giving three people just one chip to see if they could withhold themselves. But I only had one bag, and I was afraid they'd eat it, and I wouldn't have it for this service. And so I'm not going to open it because we all know what that's going to do. You know, but which, what was that? Oh, this is true. So maybe I should just eat it in front of you. <laughs> this is true. So, you know, you, you grab that bag, and in your mind, you say, all I'm going to do is just, I'm only going to eat a handful, right? Just a handful. And then you grab the bag, and you start grabbing that first chip. Mm. It touches the palate of your tongue, doesn't it? And once that salty, delicious flavor, that flavor hits your palate, your taste buds, they begin to sing and do a dance of delight. And next thing you know, you can't even hardly stop until the, you know, the bag is empty. How many of you have been there? Hey, a little, okay, a few more of you. Okay, we're starting to understand what doubleness looks like. All right. Let's keep going. I got to hide that so you guys don't keep drooling. All right. David Zoll in the, in the book, Low Anthropology, also helps to understand this. He says, this, this doubleness describes the moment of having something like a, like a drag against your willpower to keep you from moving forward to do what you really want to do. Most of the time, you don't even see it or feel it. Like, what are you going to eat for breakfast? You just ate something. You know, how are you going to drive to work? You're going to Many times, you're not even sure if your eyes are open, but you end up at work. It's just, it's not much of a pull against it. But when you're beginning to feel nervous, or anxious, or grieving, now do you feel that pull keeping you from having the joy that you so desire? And it's during those moments, it appears no matter how hard you try, you're just not quite able to make yourself have that joy. Addictions of various kinds are like this too. We tell ourselves that we won't ever drink again or smoke again or look at porn again. We hate ourselves when, when we give in to the temptation. But then we find ourselves in the same place all over again. It's easy to look at the sins of addictions of others, but the truth is that the problems and sins you and I are struggling with right now are the same problems and struggles that you've always been struggling with. Why are you angry and unforgiving towards the same family members again? Why are you jealous and uptight with the post that you see on social media? We tell ourselves that we're content with our life, but then we fall into a depression when we see that others are succeeding above us. 
We tell ourselves that we have practiced forgiveness, but then we refuse to talk to the person that we have forgiven. Why do we fall into the same sins again and again, even when we try to avoid them? Are you beginning to understand sin is doubleness? It real, rears its ugly head and begins to confuse us. So, how do we deal with our doubleness? How do we deal with it? First of all, be, be more understanding of yourself and the dynamics that are at play. Rather than hating yourself or your body that God gave you, be a little more understanding towards yourself. Some of the struggles that you and I face are because of God-given limitations that He's placed on us, like our needs for sleep and rest and for eating. Yes, some, of the, some are from the actual effects of sin in the fall. And some things really are our fault, but at these times, instead of just languishing in, in, in despair and self-despair, turn wholeheartedly to Jesus, Paul would say. If you sin and confess it to him, you'll once again receive his mercy and his forgiveness. Don't be like a, a Pharisee that you can read about in, in the Bible who in pride acts as though sin no longer has an effect or a temptation to them. That's not what Paul's saying here. That's not right. The reality is that our Heavenly Father knows that sin is complex and multifaceted. Guess what? That's why he sent his son Jesus to rescue us. We also see we need to be more understanding of others because when we understand sin and how it affects us, it should create more of a spirit of compassion for the person sitting across from you or next to you because they're dealing with this as well. Show compassion and grace. We're all struggling with this doubleness, and when we come to accept that fact, it's easier for, us, for each of us to point those that we love to Jesus where our only hope can come from instead of some perfect version that we have for that person. And then three, the other one is admit that our problem is more than just a lack of information or knowing what to do. Admit it. Have you ever heard this or thought it in your own mind? If I only just had all the right information, then I would live right or live perfectly. Well, do you remember, it's been years ago now, when the FDA told all the fast food restaurants, you've got to start putting the calories by every amount. Remember that? Made the menus bigger and you gotta, you're looking for them. Their object was is to help lower obesity and also lower health care costs at the same time. Well, their intention was that if a person knew how many calories it was, that they would have the strength and the, the wisdom to make the best healthy choice. Well, guess what happened? A year later, when the results came out, they discovered that those that ordered food ordered more calories. Why is that? Because just knowing the right thing isn't enough. On our own, we also lack that motivation and the fortitude to, to move forward in the right direction. Need I remind you? That's why our Heavenly Father sent His Son Jesus to help us. He knows we need His help. This doubleness that you and I face, even the Apostle Paul, reveals that sometimes our issue isn't that we don't know what to do, 
or even that we can't actually do the right things. Many times we just don't want to do it, the right thing. We're wrestling with our sin nature over those things that please God. Sin is doubleness or this dueling of forces that happens within a person is a struggle that you and I all face. And it's not like two good friends that don't agree. That's not what this is. This is, this is actually opposing forces at odds with each other over your motivation, your willpower to honor and please the Lord. You say, how can I see that in my own life? Well, if you find your desires, which remember, we, it's natural to have needs and desires. It's natural. But when we allow them to steer us away from doing it to honor and please the Lord and to doing it all about me and what I want, sin just got involved. And it corrupted your desires and used those in a, in a, in a way that would distract you and cause you to do something that you didn't want to do. It's to help us see what's going on there. If you think that having raw willpower, determination, I can do this, I know I can do this, and I'm going to do the right thing. Sad to say I'm sorry, but you're going to find out like the rest of us in this room, you're going to fail. Because raw willpower isn't enough. It's not enough. And then you're going to get disgusted with yourself. But when you and I have a better understanding of sin and our sinful nature and its influence on our desires and motivation, it will provide you with more of a framework of humility and a reliance not on yourself, but a reliance on the Lord and His Spirit that will enable you to overcome this. The next chapter, Romans chapter 8, I would encourage you to read it. Great truth in there about the Holy Spirit to be, come by your aid, to help you, and to give you the strength that you physically don't have to do this. And if at the core of a problem is a heart that desires both good and evil at the same time, then we need an antidote that works all the way down to our desires. Because Paul knew it would feel natural for you and I, you know what, if we just keep the law, then we're going to be a better person. Sin jumps in. Because the strength of sin is the law. Sin jumps in and it arouses something within our sin nature that causes us want to rebel. Do you see why it would be not to your advantage how legalism and a long list of do's and don'ts, all it's doing is inciting something within you to rebel. We need Jesus and his help. The law is good. It reveals sin teaches us how bad it is but sin just hijacks it and it does something in our sinful depravity to get us to rebel the law cannot change or transform you or your sinful nature or even enable you to live righteously or even set you free to serve God so where does our help come from pastor sorry that's the end <laughs> oh just kidding no, let's read it in verse 24. It says, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so that I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. 
the very first word there is wretched. In the Greek, it's referring to a person that is exhausted after a battle. Do you see how that works? The struggles that's going on within you. Paul says, wretched man, I'm just exhausted from this battle that's going on within me. And then he says in here, who will deliver me from this body of death? It's not a what will deliver you. It's, there's not a class you can take. There's not a program you can do. There's not a book you can read. It's a who. Who will deliver me? It's a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. It says it right in the text. Our help must come from outside of ourselves. It's that fully reliance and dependence on our Lord Jesus Christ. We must fully depend on Jesus. Jesus entered this world into the very places of our deepest brokenness. Jesus isn't disgusted by your desires or mine. And instead of turning away from us, which many of your friends may have done that, Jesus comes towards you. And he says, come to me. He reaches out to us in his love. and He, he bore all the punishment of you and I breaking the law. He took that on himself to rescue you and I from the law of sin and death. And those that turn wholeheartedly to him find life and hope and are living relationship with him. Do you know Jesus? Because he's the only one that can help you and I. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you that you have been sent by the Father to come live on this earth and to give your life as a ransom for many. Lord, you're the only one that understands all of this doubleness that we face with our sin nature and sin getting involved and how it all plays out in our life. God, we need you. And Lord, I pray for somebody here that has never accepted Jesus as their personal Savior, that even right now in their own words, they would just call out wholeheartedly to you and humbly ask you to be their Savior. And Father, I also pray that this week, as we see this played out in our own lives, that we would lean more on you and less on other things. Give us wisdom, discernment, and help. Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for being with us today. If you'd like more information on our church or a place to connect, you can check us out on the web at findliberty.net.